The Pat Kenny Show on News Talk with Matter Private Network. During current restrictions, don't ignore your health concerns. Our expert team is ready to help. Luke O'Neill uh, of Trinity College is with us as always of a Monday morning. Luke, good morning to good morning, you. Good morning, Jonathan. I'm still in different studios, but we'll get there eventually, we Luke. Will. We will eventually see we'll each other again. We'll meet up again one day. Yeah. <laughs> this is what's kind of confusing me about this discussion, because yes, I'm vaccinated, and yes, that's great, but I may encounter somebody, particularly with the Delta variant on my travels, and they may give it to me. I mightn't get sick, but it, it's still possible for me to give it on. Isn't that right? That's, that's right. I mean, you've got to remember, vaccines are great, but they're not 100% foolproof, remember. I mean, there's still a risk of getting infected if you're vaccinated. That happens at every vaccine, by the way. And the reason is because when you're vaccinated, your immune system mightn't be as strong, you know, or you might pick up a huge dose of the virus and that can break through. Now, small numbers break through. The vast majority are protected, as many as 90%, remember. But there still might be a one in 10 chance of getting infected post-vaccination. And then in terms of transmission, we'd probably think 50 to 60% decrease in transmission between from someone who's vaccinated, you know. Now, these are low risks, but they're still there. They're still a reality. So, so hence the notion that if we're all vaccinated and we can all go into a pub and cram in there together at this stage of the pandemic, that's probably ill-advised. It's still OK to go indoors, but there's good ventilation and good spacing, of course. So, so I imagine what, what might happen next in this journey that we're all on is they would allow people people back into indoor settings. Uh, it might involve being vaccinated or having an antigen test. That was great to see that headline, by the way. Antigen testing is a part of this as well. And then there'll still have to be a little bit of control on the numbers and a little bit of control on, 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 on gaps between us and a bit of ventilation in this next phase of it, I think, is the, probably the, going to be the, uh, the situation. Yeah, and people who have been out in the last week outdoors, um, it, it felt incredibly safe uh, when you were outdoors because you were in the open air. I'm not sure how comfortable even I would be uh, if I'm, yeah, and I'm speaking as someone who is doubly vaccinated, that I'd be indoors and there'd be lots of other people around me. They're, they're, I mean, I'd be anxious anyway. That might just be me. But, you know, we, we shouldn't be rushing too quickly, particularly when there are unknowns. But yeah. thanks to the Delta variant. Yeah, and not when there's so much Delta out there. It's still, it's still ripping through our community. To use the word rip, it's becoming more common now. But it's still in the community, remember, it's still spreading. So a little bit of caution is still, is still advised. And then the personal responsibility part is, if you are slightly anxious, as, as you might say, maybe you aren't fully vaccinated or you're in a vulnerable group, maybe think twice about going into an indoor setting. Just for this next period is one way to think of it, we think. Yeah, now, the... the, the the atmosphere, the mood music around the last week has been, oh, it's all doom and gloom again and, and Delta variant is coming to ruin our party and the summer is lost and all this. And for people who have been vaccinated or who've had their first dose, and indeed the 18 to 34s are able to get vaccinated from today, nobody's saying the vaccines don't work. It, it's not like Delta is, is the nemesis of the vaccines because you've been doing a little bit of, of, of compilation here of, yeah. of, of the scientific data. For people who are vaccinated today, there is no point in getting worried or stressed because what you have in your arm is going to help you. It is hugely. Now, in spite of just what I said a few minutes ago, because it, it is complicated, there might be a, a low risk of infection. But we do know that the vaccines are stopping progression from being infected to getting severe disease, which is very good news. That, that was one of our concerns when Delta came along, that it might break through the vaccine, but then it will make you really sick. That, that doesn't seem to be the case, which is great. So in other words, you might pick it up and you might have a few symptoms here and there, but it won't, it won't, it won't, it won't, it won't happen in hospital. You won't have to uh, progressing into severe disease. And that's holding up in the UK day 
state is telling us that. And then they keep measuring, Jonathan, which is great, you know, the pe- people's blood and immune systems post-vaccination. And an amazing study last week, a single dose of AstraZeneca, just one dose, a year later they could find evidence of antibodies in the people who had had that dose, you know. And remember, vaccines are much stronger than natural infection. They really get the whole system going. A second dose, wait to hear this, given 44 weeks after the first dose, so a good gap, that an 18-fold increase in antibodies at day 28, compared to four weeks as your second. So even a slightly longer then, gave a better immune response with AstraZeneca, you see, which was great. But four weeks, if your second shot four weeks later, you still have a good high level of antibody. And then a really important part of that study, you can imagine how systematic this one, they gave a third dose right? Six months after the second dose and they got a six-fold increase in antibodies. So that just shows you that's getting ready for boosters is the, is the science behind that. And very importantly, they took blood from these people and the antibodies neutralised all the variants they tested. Alpha, beta, delta were all neutralised by people's blood having had that protocol with AstraZeneca and they also saw a boost in T-cells. So yet more evidence that even though we worry about that vaccine to some extent, it's a very effective strong vaccine AstraZeneca, you know, in, in, that, in that sort of situation. Either one, two or three shots will give you protection, you know. Mm. I, the, the AstraZeneca shot, of course, everybody uh, took a turn again it uh, when there was talk of blood clots. And, and I did read uh, over the weekend that the, the HSE has admitted there is a greater risk of blood clotting in younger people for AstraZeneca, but it's still outweighed by the need to speed up yep. public vaccination. That's a very delicate balance uh, to make a decision upon, it is, isn't it? So yeah. what they're saying is, yes, there is a, a chance. It's incredibly low, but at the same time, the risk of people dying from COVID of a young age group is so high that it's worth the risk. It's, when you move to younger ages, it's difficult, especially the under 18s, because this is a very benign disease if you're under 18, you see, and there's almost near zero chance of dying almost. It's so rare to see really severe disease, which is great. So the question then becomes, should we vaccinate them because they're not at risk of disease? And if there is a tiny risk of a blood clot in them, because really, these risks are there, but they're very, very minuscule, you know, maybe that's a reason not to vaccinate that age group at the moment anyway. And, and, and I'm definitely an advocate, Jonathan, of giving the vaccine away for the for the developing countries. When we've got surplus, we should consider not vaccinating them the right means and it's ethically the right thing to do is to give it to countries that need the vaccine, you see. But that's a debate that we'll see emerging in, in the coming weeks. But remember, the risk of clots are, is minuscule. I mean, it's, 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 it's tiny, tiny risk of clot at any age group, really, you know. So it's not, again, it's not something that would concern us because the risk from the disease is higher. Yeah, but there's an informed um, consent there as well. So if you're feeling yeah. a bit off after it, you're going to go and get medical help and they'll tell you that when you're getting the vaccine that's as right. well. Yeah. Um, I want to talk about Johnson & Johnson because that, that's the one shot, right? One and done, as Joe Biden said on a regular basis. Um, Martin has texted in uh, with a question. He says, could you please ask Luke about the success of the J&J vaccine and if that's increased if someone has had the virus? So, so if you had the virus and yep. then you got J&J, are you better protected. You are and that applies to any vaccine. I mean the evidence for that got stronger and stronger. If you've been infected that's like your first shot of vaccine almost you know and then you get your first shot and you get a big kick off. The immune system is really fantastically enhanced if you've had a prior infection because the infection has trained the immune system already you see and then the vaccine comes on and then the immune system is there and really goes off you know it's fantastic. So in fact the recommendations they're talking about changing anyway to turn all the two shots into one if you've been infected before you know and then that would apply to Johnson & Johnson and, and the great 
great news on Friday. I was I was relieved. I think we all were because remember these things are unknown until you see data. You, you can't be sure. One shot of Johnson and Johnson eight months later they took people's blood eight months after the shot. Great antibodies, great T cells, and in particular if you're an immunologist such as myself, you get what's called a CD8 T cell. Now the CD8 T cells they're the ones that kill the virally infected cells. They're very good at taking the virus out, and they were high eight months after a single shot, and that was good. I mean we kind of mm-hmm. expected it, you know, because it was predictable to some extent. But it's always really a relief to see it in people. You know, is there a possibility that we won't need booster shots? I, I don't. I think the vulnerable will need them. You know, the older people, and a bit like flu, it'll become like flu in the end, and we will give boosters just to be on the safe side, especially with new variants. Because remember, the booster really kicks off the immune system again, and that probably will be able to fight any variant. There will be more variants. This is the big thing that people are not really remembering. There will be more variants, and the question is, how will we respond to those variants? If we keep, if we had, imagine if we had, if what happened last week keeps happening. Down, you know, <laughs> in other words, all these risks and worries and concerns every time a new variant comes along, we'll never get out of it, you know? So, so the way to handle new variants is to give the booster shots to protect people. And, and the UK are said they're going to do okay. it. They'll be the first country now, it looks like. They will start giving booster shots this autumn. But again, not for everybody. And in fact, as, as we probably will discuss on Thursday, to be honest, there's now a, a vaccine being made with, that contains the flu and COVID in the one shot. You know, so you might see a situation where it's more convenient then, you know, and I can, I can see that coming. Okay. Uh, speaking of the UK, of course, uh, we are having uh, a press conference this afternoon. Uh, Boris Johnson is effectively going to say the war is over. Uh, mission accomplished. Uh, ill-advised if he has the sign over his head. Uh, and they're saying masks become a personal choice again rather than mandated. Is it bit soon for that. I think Luke. I think so. Yeah, and a lot of scientists are giving out murder today about this thing. How the hell can he do this? You know, that's if he does do it. I mean, we have to wait and see. But uh, he, but they're criticising him because he's not taking into account long COVID. In other words, this will increase transmission. Whatever happens, but whenever you loosen things, there's going to be an increase in spread. People mightn't die. They might end up getting really sick and ending up in hospital and so on. But there will be a percent of people with persistent symptoms, and that's the risk he's going to take now with this. And and of course, there's two sides to the uh, discussion, isn't there? The, the person personal responsibility part versus the state controlling things and, and I, I don't envy any I don't envy any politician at the moment these are very tough decisions to make because of all the unknowns you know, the dreaded Rumsfeldian phrase is true there's a lot of unknowns in this so so whatever happens it's going to be a gamble you know and, and he's, he's kind of damned if you do damned if you don't territory so I don't I don't envy him or any any politician having to make these decisions Speaking of long COVID, uh, this texter introduced talk says, I got COVID over seven months ago and still don't have my taste back. Will the vaccine help bring it back? And if so, which vaccine is best? I've only seen anecdotally that it does. Yeah, well, that began in, very interesting. People began, I remember doctors will measure things. You know, they get a chance to measure something. They noticed that long COVID patients were reporting a relieving of symptoms post-vaccination. And then we all thought it's a bit anecdotal and kind of be true. But more and more studies, now these are anecdotal studies, so you've got to be somewhat careful, are supporting that notion. And now a proper studies running, a really systematic analysis uh, on long COVID and vaccination. That's hope it holds up, because that'll be tremendous because here's, here's a way out of long COVID for people if they get vaccinated it'll give them relief from these symptoms and we're all keeping our fingers crossed on that one so we need that systematic study because anecdotes can be sometimes wrong you see so it has to be done with the best scientific standards so we're hoping that'll be the case uh, Can you ask Luke is it okay to stay with my elderly parents without masks in the house if we are all fully vaccinated? It is, yeah, that's the guideline. If you're fully vaccinated, you can spend time with people who are also vaccinated indoors. Remember, uh, maybe be a bit, bit careful. Don't have loads of people in the room and all that kind of thing, you know. So again, a little bit of responsibility is good there, but it's okay for two vaccinated people to meet up indoors. 
Yeah, and open the window. Open the window. Yeah. We we are opposed in a in a kind of a, a psychological way in this country to opening windows. I yeah. don't know what it is in our psychology yeah. that means we have to keep the windows closed. Uh, the world doesn't end if you open a window or two. Um, can you ask Luke, please, why there is no official advice requirements on indoor ventilation from the government? <laughs> well, speaking of this, is it because the government are perhaps petrified about the costs of public buildings to be corrected? Seems to be a bit of a blind spot. That's from Mick. Good morning, Mick. Well, this is the drum we're banging for the last few months, John, in a sense. I mean, we've been banging the antigen testing drum, haven't we? Let's hope that will <laughs> give rise to antigen testing. The ventilation one is absolutely critical as we move towards the winter. You have to have good ventilation to beat this virus. That's that's all the evidence suggests. That remember, the simple line is this virus spreads on infected air. That's how it spreads, right? And I heard yesterday. I think Ethan McLeish, one of my colleagues in Trinity, said something very good. If it was in the water, we'd have water filtration systems. You know, if it's in the air, you need good ventilation. So this is very much prominent in many countries now. And let's hope that the ventilation situation is uh, there's good guidelines and. Good. I mean, you've probably seen in some of the pilot studies in the UK that CO2 monitors in buildings and rooms because that picks up stagnant air. And when the air is stagnant, that's really bad, you know. So you may see, that's what I would advocate for myself, I mean, bring in CO2 monitors in crowded places for definite and then absolutely ventilation, especially in the workplaces and so on. There should, has to be good ventilation. It's a really great way to mitigate against this virus. Um, this is from another listener who says, I am five weeks pregnant. Congratulations. I got my first shot, shot of Pfizer before I knew I was pregnant. Now I cannot get my second shot until I am after 12 weeks. Will the vaccine be less effective because there's such a gap between the shots? Should I take the second shot in two weeks when I'm due to take it? No, the, the gap, as the AstraZeneca study showed, if you widen the gap, it's actually beneficial for that one. Even and then The other gaps still work, you know, remember. But, but still, if you widen the gap on these things, it's not necessarily a concern. So I, I, I just follow the protocol. Whatever they're recommending, just follow that. Could you ask, Luke, is there any update on those immunosuppressants, e.g. transplant patients, although fully vaccinated earlier this year, any updates on how effective? So we know how effective it is in most people, but for those whose systems are suppressed because they might have had a transplant, a kidney transplant yep. or a lung transplant, are they are they more at risk? Is there a special study being taken under the, on them? Yeah, they're slightly more. The vaccine wouldn't work as well in them. You'll see less antibodies for obvious reasons because they're on immunosuppressants. So they get maybe slightly caught. They'll still have protection. That's very important that, that people have, take the two shots if you've if you got a transplant. It's very important. But you'd be slightly less protected. And what they're probably going to do is they'll be the first to get boosters. And in the US, as we speak, actually there's a programme to, to give people in that category the third shot and then that really works fantastically well there was a study I think about two weeks ago I spoke with, with Pat in Johns Hopkins the third shot into people who have who are transplant people massive immune response great you know so the future as I say will be boosters especially in those kinds of people uh, Johnson & Johnson we mentioned the Janssen and uh, 18 to 34 year olds poor chemists uh, they, they were inundated with calls they got 10 calls per dose of vaccine that they had. And it's great that there's such enthusiasm to take it up, but th- there is a little bit of extra supply coming in the medium term from J&J because they're ramping up production at one of their facilities in Europe. That's right. Well, we're looking at an interesting situation where they're going to run out of vaccine supply. There's such demand, which is a great sign in a way. You know, There's no evidence of vaccine hesitancy in that age group, which is tremendous because we were worried slightly that if you're in your early 20s, you might go, oh, I'm not going to bother. You know, But but they're all they're lining up. It's, it's really fantastic news in a way. And then, yes, Johnson & Johnson, I mean, they're a very 
effective company, one of the best vaccine makers in the world historically, remember, uh, they have realised ours is a great vaccine. Let's make as much of it as we can. And they're ramping up in Leiden is where they're, they're called Janssen, interestingly, is where we know. So, so they're bulk, bulk, you know, mass, massive increase in production is going to happen with that single shot vaccine, which is great news. And the EMA have to sign off on this. It's a very regulated process. They check the factory, they make sure everything's in order, you know. And now they've approved this new factory. So that we're going to see a lot more supply down the line for Johnson & Johnson. Uh, Paul Reid, the head of the HSE, tweeted this morning, another 343,000 vaccines administered last week. Uh, When we began the vaccination process, Luke, um, we would have discussed it, I know you and Pat discussed, whether or not the Irish state had the capacity, had the ability, had the wherewithal to do it. I mean, there really is a remarkable amount of vaccines being handed out now. And if, if we do get to the point where by the end of August... All adults who want a vaccine will have gotten it and will nearly have gotten the two doses at that point. That is a huge credit that will be due to the HSA. That'll be the headline, I think, Jonathan, when we look back on this, that the Irish managed to do this so effectively and there was such uptake of vaccine because obviously there is reluctance and hesitancy that's understandable as we discussed many times. In some countries it's very poor uptake. Remember, we're buying vaccines from Romania because they can't get, the people won't take the vaccine there, for instance, which is a shame, isn't it? But Ireland, yeah, it's been tremendous. I mean, two two out of three now have had one shot, which is an incredible achievement. And then you may have noticed the over 60s who are still rightly aggrieved, uh, as we've discussed a few times, because of what happened to them. They will now be done in about seven days, they reckon. Every one of them will have had their second shot if they choose to come first. We hope they do. You know, so that's a great performance that the over 60s will be fully protected uh, in the next week or so that have their second shot, which is great. And of course, schools will be coming back in September. Some of them will be reopening in late August. So there'll still be a lot of anxiety amongst teachers, particularly the younger teachers who are under 34, who are only getting their chance to get a vaccine right now. And there's questions coming through about schools already. Sorry, kids, we're already talking about you going back and you're just on your holidays. Um, Luke, I'm a teacher. I'm 30. I'm fully vaccinated. Um, contracted the Delta variant uh, very ill lost taste and smell people still need to be cautious as you still uh, can get COVID thanks for keeping us informed throughout so there's somebody who obviously has been uh, one of those unluckily unlucky breakthrough cases Um, and Jens or Jens in Clonakilty has asked the question um, are schools being instructed to get air filters now to be ready for a safe return of pupils in September? I hope so. Yeah, I mean, I, that, I would definitely be pressing that schools should be given help in this. And, and opening the window, remember, is OK as well. But but definitely there should be instructions given to schools, how to make, especially in the winter, as we've just said. The risk is it's a, it's a seasonal virus. It will come back in the winter because it's indoors like the flu does. So we, we now have time, hopefully. Now, we did have, there was good ventilation in schools, by the way, and some schools did a great job. You know. But now we're coming into winter. Now is the time to make sure all those things are in place. Um, is there a downside for the 18 to 34s as the Newstalk texter with the Johnson & Johnson vaccine? I mean, there is, a, again, an extremely small risk of clots. Tiny, tiny risk, yeah. I mean, the, the, the risk of that is, as I've said before, you're at much higher risk of getting harmed cycling into your vaccination centre on your bicycle than being harmed by this by this vaccine. So the tiny, tiny risk of clotting. And the other good part was they know what it is now and they know how to treat it. There's treatments now for this peculiar, it's a very strange, it's not like regular clotting, you know. It's got a name. It's called VITT. It's so strange. It seems to be an autoimmune reaction to your platelets, which which form clots. So we know exactly what it is, and there's ways to treat it. So, so the fear of it's gone slightly because it can be spotted and treated as well. Remember, so it shouldn't really concern people. Mm. I, look to, to finish up, Luke, if I can. The glass is more than half full here, isn't it? I know if you're reading the headlines and you're listening to the newspapers, and I know even 
my own uh, common sense deserted me temporarily last week when I was listening to all the negativity that's out there. We need to focus on the positive here, don't we? If we didn't have the vaccines, it'd be a really different situation because here we have a much more transmissible form. It can infect people more readily. It makes people very, very sick, Delta, just like the other ones did, you know. But now we've got these vaccines and the evidence grows. I mean, we're watching the UK closely, of course, because we're hoping this holds up, that you don't see this progression to severe disease. But so far, so good. In fact, I saw a great thing as well. The case fatality rate, which means if you are, you know, you've got a case of COVID, what's the fatality rate? It's 0.2% with Delta now uh, it was 10 times higher with Alpha you know that's because of vaccines in young people so it's, it's become like the flu in a way with, with the vaccination campaign so there's definitely signs as you say the glass is definitely half full Yes but the Petri dish that is the UK is also half full yeah. one might argue and we will find out how that goes over the course of the next two weeks Luke O'Neill uh, of Trinity College Dublin pleasure as always we'll talk to you again on Thursday morning Amy